And back for the first time in a little bit on WILX, Fred Human. Fred, thank you so much for joining us. It is a very exciting time right now in mid-Michigan for Michigan State basketball. Uh, a lot has changed in a very, very short amount of time. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's been an unbelievable turnaround here in the last couple of weeks. One that I did not anticipate, and I don't think you did, and I don't think anyone else did. This has been a different Michigan State team the last two games, and I'm sure we'll dissect that a little bit, but it's been uh, really improbable, almost impossible to predict. But the last two games has presented us a a completely different Michigan State, Michigan State team than the one we're accustomed to. And I don't know where it comes from, but it's made a lot of Spartan fans happy. I know that. We last talked on this show with Kellen Buddy, and Kellen and I talked about how really that the March Madness streak was going to come to an end, and maybe Michigan State was going to be in the most loaded NIT tournament ever, uh, <laughs> where we were seeing North Carolina and everyone else kind of at. And now it looks like I've seen a few different bracketology rankings. Michigan State either is one of the first four out as of now or number 68, which is literally right on the bubble as the March Madness is now the 68 team play in, which is also kind of weird. But hey, if it gets Michigan State in, I'm not going to complain as someone who likes to watch MSU basketball. And then they have the chance. It really is going to come down to, I'd imagine, the last... uh, few games of the season they've got a chance to continue to win but let's start first this win streak started against Purdue MSU Tommy Izzo decided to go with a small lineup Hauser was subbed out Gabe Brown the man who's been the best shooter of the season who is averaging a very few minutes per game he comes in he closes out and Izzo stuck with it ever since what do you think of the new lineup well it surprised me when it happened because it's a smaller lineup but on the theory that the best players play uh, it's worked, uh, and I wouldn't, you know, I, I think that he had to find a different dynamic in this team, and I don't think Hauser has been the Hauser that we saw in the first six games or so. Uh, he hasn't found his shooting touch, and that hurt Michigan State for a while. Um, I asked Tom Izzo a couple of weeks ago on a Zoom call uh, about um, the body language of this team because he had pointed out after well, the first win how The body language was so much different in Aaron Henry and the whole team. And he called it the million-dollar question. Not that it was such a great question, but that that's the million-dollar thing in society now is is do we have swagger? Um, Do we coach confidence? Do we coach body language? He's a strong believer in that a team needs that. And in these last three games, they've had all of that. He even pointed – which surprised me a little bit, to a finger wag that Aaron Henry gave after a bucket, which is usually kind of a, a no-no to programs like this. And he said, you know, I I even point to that as applauding that because he had not seen that out of his team. He had talked way earlier in the season amidst the early losing about how this team, this program, does not have an alpha dog this year. They don't have Antonio Smith a Mateen Cleaves, a Draymond Green, uh, even a Xavier Tillman, which they had last year. That has nothing to do with playing ability. We're talking about a, a guy that stands up and says, you're not going to beat me and I'm better than you. Well, for whatever reason, in the last three games, we've seen that alpha dog out of Michigan State. We've seen that swagger out of Aaron Henry. Uh, he had a decent season even before this, but his last three games – he has kind of put this team on his shoulders 
And much like they were missing for so much of this season, when when last year's alpha dog, so to speak, and I'm not talking of Tillman in this case, but Cassius Winston would pull them out and hit every key shot and help them win games that they wouldn't otherwise win. Uh, Aaron Henry has been a new player in these last three games, and I'm not saying he's solely responsible, but it's lifted Michigan State to new levels and new expectations. Now, as we move forward, I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, not give this team the benefit of the doubt the way they played the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to assume for the minute that both Michigan games are losses. I'm going to assume that they don't have enough to beat Michigan. So the key now to where they play in the postseason, to which tournament, is going to be those those two games, the one against Indiana and, and, and the one that's facing them tomorrow against Maryland. To me, those two games are the swing games, and I'm not saying it's impossible for them to beat Michigan at home. I'm saying it's probably unlikely that in any of those remaining victories are going to come against the red-hot, powerful Wolverines. I don't think they have enough size to handle Michigan. So the key is going to be these other two games that are left in the Big Ten against Indiana and against Maryland tomorrow. Yeah, and it really comes down to, from what I've seen, the switching of the lineup. Hauser, you mentioned that he doesn't look like the same guy. Where I saw the biggest issues the last few games, Hauser's defense, he just wasn't able to keep his man in front of him. He wasn't able to protect the basket. And that is a real liability when this team doesn't have reliable offense uh, across the board. And I think Brown for Hauser, Gabe Brown, he's been able to hold his own against bigger players, kind of that more modern NBA style of having Brown and Henry as your two switchable wings out there, kind of playing the three and four together. And then that spacing, I think, too, has allowed Aaron Henry to really attack by having Brown work the perimeter. You've got Langford and Watts out there as well. Aaron Henry has the green light and the runway is set for him to just attack the basket. He can kick out. And then I think the other, so the Gabe Brown really helps unlock Aaron Henry. And then Langford, for a man who's had multiple foot surgeries and is not the tallest player on the court, he gets some man-sized rebounds and just seeing his hustle and his grit out there and his defense. And he's been even the lead ball handler at times with this team still not really having a true point guard outside of maybe Hogard and then Warriors out with injury. I think Brown and Langford really stepping up to bring this team to where it needs to go is both a trend of MSU upperclassmen and then Langford, another Tom Izzo senior, or in this case, a super senior, really being able to deliver. I'm glad you said that because I made it sound like it was all Aaron Henry, and I didn't mean to. But uh, the improvement of Gabe Brown, the better shooting, uh, the more physical defense, and the fact that Langford somehow, whether it's getting his game legs back because, you know, they had the 20-day break and he was still recovering, he's been a different player the last three games too. He is also, when I said Aaron Henry's carried this team on his shoulders, you know, I think I, I think uh, an assist should go to Langford because Joshua has absolutely raised his game. You pointed to his rebounding. He's been a much better shooter. He's played with more confidence. He has handled the ball. So really those three, uh, Langford, Gabe Brown, and of course Aaron Henry, have all risen their games, and they've made this Michigan State team a different team than it was last time we talked and probably the last time you and Kellen talked. Now, who'd have thought? I saw this, I did, I, you know, I think you and Kellen said in the last, I think you devised or he, did, he devised that they're basically dead in the water. 
and I would have agreed with that. I didn't think they'd beat Indiana, and I surely didn't think, even at home, they would beat Illinois. And, and to come out after that Indiana win on the road, and then to beat Illinois and Indiana in successive games. I mean, Tom Izzo pointed out after the Ohio State win that he doesn't think his team has ever done that, even when they were, you know, the blue bloods of college basketball are among the blue bloods. To beat a number four and five ranked team in succession is really remarkable given where this team has come from and also points to the Izzo magic. The guy can just flat out coach. Uh, he just knows how to coach. He knows how to prepare a team. And he feels that his team now has its game legs under it. He doesn't want to make excuses, but he thinks the COVID, which affected all teams, but, you know, with the 20-day break and and the uncertainty of when they were going to play and practice time, he thinks that has affected this team dramatically. And now that they have more of a routine, I think playing every other day, every third day has actually helped this team. They're already in like a, a tournament routine, and uh, they hope that kids just keep going right through and into the tournament, not only the Big Ten, but what they hope is the NCAA tournament which is now possible, and I would have told you two weeks ago that that's a pipe dream. Exactly, and I think any team really that has a winning record and then gets multiple top five wins, uh, that that usually is indicative of, hey, if you get two wins against top five teams, don't they usually call you the national champion? So I'm not saying this is the national championship team, but that's at least showing that they can compete and hang there and put up good basketball for the NCAA tournament, as much fun as it is for players, it's also a very fun event and it's a form of entertainment. And it's it would be very disappointing to see a team like Michigan State, especially with just the large size of the fan base. And then, of course, I'd imagine the NCAA and their revenue would be a little disappointed as well. So if, if they continue to play well and they've got Maryland and Indiana, I'd imagine if they get both, both of those and hang competitively with Michigan, that at least gives them a very good case, especially when they'll have another chance to prove themselves in the Big Ten tournament and maybe pick up a few wins there. And and that's what I say about those Michigan games. I don't need to automatically concede those, but realistically I'm saying, hey, this team has come a long way, but they're probably not to Michigan's caliber yet. So how would it look to lose twice to Michigan in the last week of the season? And that's why I say those two wins they got particularly this week – against, you know, not only Indiana, but the two ones this week against Ohio State um, <laughs> and Illinois. Uh, those wins are going to carry them a long way in terms of the legitimate resume, even if they lose twice to Michigan. But, of course, they still have work to do. They have to take care of business against Maryland and Indiana, I would think. As I said in the beginning, I think those two games are the real swing games for Michigan State from here on out in terms of getting into the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they can finish one and three in the last four and still get in, but I certainly think if they go two and two in those last four and hold their own against Michigan, uh, they got a, a definite chance. One thing I want to talk about, we're talking about all these players who are doing really, really well and have outperformed expectations or rising to the challenge and we, we mentioned Joshua Langford and his rebounding just for an example going against Illinois a top five team the dude grabbed 16 rebounds 16, has three offensive 16. rebounds and yeah, yeah I, I, which is incredible for a 6-5 guard and I think that is the also rebounding can be a team stat in a way because you need your teammates to box out for you and I think Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry have really been able to battle and then whoever uh 
we've not mentioned the center position at all, but I think the center position, it, it's just, it's going to be rotating. You don't need to play any of the bigs together, and each of them can give you five good hard fouls. And <laughs> that's, uh, especially with uh, Maddie Sissoko out there uh, knocking heads off people, uh, th- those are going to be some five very hard fouls. So I think that is a team stat. Langford's numbers are indicative of the fight of the team there. Now, someone's numbers trending downward. Rocket Watts has been an enigma the entire season. And then the last few, few games, it's alternated. Indiana, six points on six shots, 15 points on 11 shots against Illinois. And then he was one of 10 against Ohio State. And his assist numbers have been okay. They've been in and out. But I'm not sure if I've ever seen an MSU guard, especially one as talented as Rocket Watts, come into a Tom Izzo team who is usually great at developing point guards and you kind of just see them build up and up. Watts is very inconsistent, I think, is maybe the nicest way to describe uh, his game or his ability to impact the game. Yeah, he's. I think an enigma is the right word with him because I think there were bigger expectations for him, maybe too many. Uh, but I even I think it, I think Thomas has found some confidence in Rocket that maybe he didn't have and that Rocket did not earn. I mean, it was real big on you earn minutes here. You earn playing time. I don't hand out anything. And even the poor shooting against Ohio State, I don't think uh, out of Rocket, I don't think that hurt the Spartans quite as much as you might think. Uh, I, I think, obviously, he was very big against Illinois. That was his best game. And I don't think he hurt them as much and helped defensively against Ohio State. So I don't think he's a problem right now. But you're right. Uh, trying to predict what you're going to get out of Rocket Watts, not only for fans, but for the coaching staff, has been, uh, as you suggest, a little bit of an enigma. Is which Rocket Watts are we going to get today? And they're going to need him. They're going to need everything. They're going to need those bigs, which they're – you know, our multiple bids, as you suggest, to wear down the other team's big men because it's clear Michigan State doesn't have the size to handle other teams' big men, you know, a.k.a. Iowa and Luca Garza, a.k.a. Michigan and their big man, uh, you know, who's who they haven't played yet. But he's a force. They're going to have trouble with him. So, you know, I think Rocket has been unpredictable, but they're going to need him in these last four games to be – uh, less unpredictable and and rely on him like like he played in, particularly in the Illinois game. And just pulling up the advanced stats forever wherever you feel about this, uh, the defensive win share calculation. Looking at that, he is at a zero point two, which isn't great, but that is overall a positive contributor that ties him with AJ Hogard, Thomas Kithier, Julius Marble. So I, looking at the lineup, there's not really anyone else I would substitute Watts out for because. Who else would you put in that place? I think Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown are instant locks. I think that Langford has definitely shown his plays risen to that level. And I just don't think there's any big men out there outside of just whatever random center you want to throw in there that would be a more productive player than Rocket Watts is letting MSU do. And I think this switching style, too, I wouldn't want to see Watts against anybody who's huge, but he's athletic enough at least to compete and bang in Big Ten basketball. Yeah, I think he's given him a little more presence defensively, and 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 that's helped. That's what I say in the Ohio State game. He didn't hurt them as much as that poor shooting would suggest. But you're going analytics on me here with whichever big word you use there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that word again? 
Uh, defensive win share, because I was trying to find, so I'm just looking at the advanced stats and sports reference right now. So I, that one, I think, is also, it, those stats like the big men, because I think they take into rebounding a little bit more, and that is a contributing factor. But, hey, I'm looking for any positive signs here to say, hey, Rocket Watts is helping the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having fun with you. That's a new one on me. That's above my education, even in basketball. But if you say so, defensive win share, <laughs> Is, is a factor, then so be it. But I think the Spartans got to play as hard and as hungry as they have here in the last three games. Now, you know, they too have been unpredictable. Uh, you don't know which Spart- – I mean, it's hard to believe this team lost at home by 40 to Iowa or whatever it was, 30 or 40. It, whatever it was, it was a 40 or 40, five-point game, and, and they were not competitive at all. And I think, I think that's at the point where I kind of said, this just isn't going to happen for them this season. They're just not good enough. But for whatever they found in practice, for whatever schemes Izzo and the coaching staff devised, this has been a new team, and it makes this this Maryland game tomorrow a lot more intriguing than it otherwise would have been. So I'm anxious to find out, you know, uh, how Michigan State comes out and if they can maintain this composure, they can maintain this aggressiveness, if they can maintain this confidence. It'll be a different ball game on the road, uh, even though without fans, it's just different playing on the road. So we'll see how this goes against Maryland tomorrow. Now, next up, yeah, it is Maryland tomorrow. They've played Indiana. Uh, they will be the next opponent before Michigan, and they right. won there. And that that's, I think, a very good indication of where that's going to go, just based off of this new look Spartans. Maryland, this is the first time they're going to play the top players for Maryland I think Michigan State matches up quite nicely against this team. They've got Aaron Wiggins, Eric Ayala, and Donta Scott, all 6'6", 6'7", 6'5", guys who really that wing size, guard size player, they're scoring you know between 15 points to a dozen points a game. I think that's the, if those are the top players from Maryland right there, I think that's the perfect matchup for Michigan State because, like you said, they don't really have necessarily the bigs to shut anyone down, but Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, Langford... I think all of them are pretty solid, if not close to lockdown defenders, kind of em- uh, embodying that Tom Izzo toughness. So for where I'd be looking at this, I think that's at least a positive indicator for this team. That's a good matchup for Michigan State if we see the Michigan State team we've seen in the last three games. But don't get fooled into thinking the team we've seen in the last three games is necessarily what we're going to get for the final four and the rest of the season. And I don't mean to take anything away from them. But, you know, in, a, in the bigger picture, this team has still been pretty unpredictable. And if Michigan State falls into its own ha- old habits and turns the ball over like they were um, so unbelievably recklessly during that losing stretch. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> in terms of on paper, the matchup looks pretty good for Michigan State. But we still don't know which Spartan team we're going to get. If we can get the one we've gotten in the last three – then this is a very winnable game against Maryland tomorrow. So, looking at it, Maryland's coming in at fourteen and ten, eight and nine in the Big Ten. Very similar numbers for Michigan State, though. I would say Michigan State coming in is the hotter team because I don't know how much hotter you can get than three straight wins with two over top five. If Michigan State wins, what do you think that sets them up for? And then if they lose, what do they do then? Well, that's the thing. The way you look at these Big Ten standings in those three teams that could be on the bubble are all in a log jab. Maryland, Indiana, and Michigan State, they're all in about the same hemisphere, right? And so if Michigan State would lose both, that's why I think those games are so crucial, obviously. 
those three teams are in a log jam. And if Michigan State would lose two of those three, they'd probably be out. If they don't beat Maryland, uh, then, of course, that Indiana game becomes everything, and they may have to give uh, Michigan a better push than they would otherwise. But that's why I say, you know, I hate to concede two games to your arch rival. I'm sure Tom Rizzo would hate to do that. But if they could win both of these games, I'd put them in a lump. I know they're big on one at a time and all of that, but we're in the media. We, we can talk in other terms. If they could win both of these games against Maryland and against Indiana, which is the makeup game, they're in a really good spot to be in that NCAA tournament. And don't forget the Tom Izzo factor when they make those selections and the Michigan State 25-year history here. Uh, that will have a lot of pull in this. If you talk about finishing the season, well, let's let's pretend again. I, I, I keep I know I keep sounding like I'm conceding two losses to Michigan, but let's say they do and they win the other two. That would still be five of the last seven wins with a Tom Izzo tournament resume with a Michigan State team that, frankly, even outside of East Lansing, a lot of people like to see in the tournament. I think that will pull heavy weight to break up this logjam. Now, I didn't answer your question in terms of if they lose to Maryland, other than that makes Indiana's game everything. But then even so, if they would lose to Maryland, beat Indiana, lose two to Michigan, now they've lost three of the last four. That takes some of the steam out of their tournament resume. But, uh, you know, both these games are big, and I understand why they are on this one-at-a-time mode. I hate that term in sports. That's one of my least favorite cliches in the world, one-at-a-time. But I think that's a very essential for Michigan State to take care of business on Sunday against Maryland and then worry about the rest when that comes. But this Maryland game becomes huge for Michigan State, one of the biggest games they've played in years when you look at it because they're never on the tournament bubble. They're clearly on the tournament bubble right now and wins at this point of the season mean everything. And so this victory over Maryland means everything to the Spartans. And just looking at common opponents, Maryland, they've lost to Indiana in a 63-55 to game. Uh, they also got destroyed by Iowa. I think everyone kind of does. They beat Illinois by three. And then they against Michigan, they beat Michigan 63-49. to However, that was also when Michigan was coming back last month after a long absence. And I, that's not the team that we're going to see uh, later this month or uh, next month in March, Michigan, they're looking pretty hot. I think part of the factor here, too, will be Big Ten performance in the tournament. Right now, MSU is, I projected as a nine seed. I believe they're eighth overall in standings. That would put them in a matchup. They would not play in the first round of the Big Ten. They'd play Maryland, just based off current projections, Maryland, and then Michigan again uh, in the quarterfinals. And I just getting one win in the Big Ten tournament, I don't think would be enough to really move the needle one way or another. I think if we're looking at maybe a best-case scenario and if Michigan State picks up, maybe splits one win with Michigan, which probably would already solidify them in the NCAA tournament, that would move them up to a uh, seventh seed where they could play like Indiana and then Ohio State and then, in theory, Illinois and face Michigan in the championship game. I think if they add up and play those teams again, now I'm not saying Illinois and Ohio State are gimmies, but if this team just maxes out at full potential, they're, I wouldn't say they're a high seed, but they're at least very securely in the bubble. 
Well, you took me right off my one at a time topic, didn't you? <laughs> That's looking way ahead. We don't know <laughs> well, yet. I'm I'm looking way ahead. Is I either this team? It's either doom and gloom, or they're going to be right in there. And I think uh, any yeah. it's either or. There's no there's probably no middle ground. Yeah, if they'd surprise Michigan, obviously that would that would catapult them into a tournament team uh, as long as they didn't lose all three others. But you know, again, I, that's why I've said in the beginning, I'm I'm, I'm not to take away from them, I'm, I guess I'm conceding that Michigan is probably going to beat them twice. And that's why these two games, I keep pointing to that, never mind the tournament right now, never mind the two Michigan games, in this in this new mindset of taking them one at a time, I'm going to say let's take two at a time. Maryland and Indiana are going to be key games for their tournament resume because they're all on a log jam there. And I'm not sure if they win those two games if – what they do in the Big Ten tournament is going to be that significant. Um, we'll we'll handle that. We'll cross that bridge when it comes up. But again, I'm 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 assuming at this point that the two Michigan games are not going to be winnable games, and that's what makes. I mean, you're never going to hear Tom Izzo say that. You're never going to hear the Spartans concede that. You never concede anything. You are a tribal. But again, we're on the outside, and I'm a realist, and I'm assuming that Michigan is going to get them twice. And that, again, I've said it, I thought sound like a broken record. That makes these two games, the swing games, and so vital in terms of their NCAA tournament qualifications. And, and that's why these are two compelling games. And again, going back to the start of our conversation, who would have thought a couple of weeks ago we'd be talking about Indiana and Maryland games being so vital to their tournament chances? Because I agreed with everyone. I thought they were dead in the water, and this is a new Michigan State team, and that's why I'm so much looking forward to this Maryland game on Sunday. And Michigan, they are only one loss against at Minnesota. They are 17 and one. They're just going to roll everybody, I would imagine, and unless they maybe take their foot off the gas in the Big Ten tournament. But yeah, no one's going to just get a freebie there, especially with them now kind of at full strength, having enough time to physically get everything set up. And the next two games are vital, not only as wins, but maybe even style points. I have no idea what this NET calculator is. This is something that's very new to me. This, I'm assuming it's something that the committee uses when they're looking at standings. They were talking, I think it was North Carolina blowing the team out. They jumped like 20 spots. And Michigan State, even though they got two top five wins, it moved them just four spots. And so if the committee wants style points... Uh, I don't know if you can really ask that of a Michigan State team right now, but at least they've got the capacity between Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts. If he goes off, Gabe Brown can be a hot shooter. Hauser off the bench is a super spark plug. Uh, it's very interesting. I've not. I don't think MSU's ever really had a off the bench big who scores like Hauser. It's usually that guy starting, and it's either a luxury that Tom Izzo has, or it's something that's a newfangled experiment that he's still adjusting to. I'm not sure where he would fall on that. Yeah, I, th- I think they probably would never admit it, but I think they're probably a little disappointed in in Hauser's lack of consistency. Uh, I think they thought he'd be uh, more of a, well, certainly more of a key scoring threat, and that's what he looked like, looked like early on before all the games that really mattered counted. But you're right, him coming off the bench, but they need him to hit shots. You know, he hit a big shot against Illinois. And that was encouraging. He missed a couple against Ohio State, but they need him to come off the bench and give them a spark. And in his case, since he does seem to be a bit of a liability against big men 
physically underneath on defense. They need him to hit shots. Uh, that's part of the reason they wanted him to come here, and that's part of what he showed early, and they need Hauser to come in and, and give him that hot shooting off the bench. I think that's a key to these final four games as well, as they need him to be a key player off the bench and not just a spare part. My final question for you, we're talking bigs. Tom Izzo, he loves his defensive rebounding. He re- loves his physical basketball. We've talked about uh, everybody's got five good finals, especially Matty Sissoko. I think looking at it right now, the center position is not a individual player, but a platoon. What do you think of what's going on with MSU's big men off the bench between Marble, Sissoko, Marcus Bingham, Thomas Kithier, and what do you think Tom Izzo should do with them? Well, I don't think he needs to do anything different. I think it has to be big men by committee because I don't think – let's just eliminate Kithier from that conversation just for the second. I don't think of the other three – there's going to be enough differential in their play where one's going to rise above the other here in the last four games of the season. So as you say, whether it's fouls to give, you know, they don't have a big man to contend with with the real effective big man in the conference. But with three of them rotating in and out and not having to worry about foul trouble, I think three men can do as effectively what one dominant big guy could be. It's bringing fresh bodies in. It's tying the other guy down. It's wearing them down. And I think they'll continue to do what they've been doing and just do a rotation. Each of those three guys gives them something different. Um, you know, obviously, Sissoko gives them something defensively that maybe the other two don't bring. But Bingham can give them some offense inside that the other two guys can't. So I think the rotation and just balancing the three and putting them in at the right time of the game and keeping that position fresh with the minutes you space out. Dwayne Stevens obviously has a big role in that and, and substituting and when guys come in, when you spell guys. And I think the rotation there, um, as it's been the last few games, is going to be key since he switched this lineup. I think that's I think that's part of the equation is just these three big men sharing the load there and maybe three guys can do what one of them individually, none of them can do individually. And, and the three-man committee seems to have worked, and I think it's going to be key here during the final stretches of the season. And I'm just going to take a moment here to sing the praises of Thomas Kithier to an extent where what I see with him, especially the last few games, he doesn't play a ton, nine, six, five minutes. But what he does when he's in, I, I always thought that either a marble or that – uh, Bainham should be the center because I, this team, they were looking for any and everything. And I thought those players at least had the upside to really do something, especially Bainham just with his physical tools. And I think what Kithier does is when everything else around him is set, when you've got a really solid starting lineup, him doing the little things that Tom Izzo loves, I think just feeds back positively into this team where you don't need Tom Kithier to go out. He doesn't need to dunk on people. He doesn't need to go out and score 20 points. But if he does all the little things that he continues to do, that just helps this this team continue to spur positive momentum and uh, Henry and Brown and Langford and Watts can all attack and be themselves because you don't have to worry about either a young inexperienced player in Sissoko or you don't have to worry about uh, Bingham if he's going to show up or not. Kithier's there. He's setting screens. And so I'm just taking a few moments here to say the Thomas Kithier, I have been wrong on him, maybe, but I think with the right situation that he is exactly what this team needs when he's in there for just a few minutes here and there to contribute and play the uh, perfect, maybe not the most talented player, but the guy who's going to hustle and do all the little things. Uh, Shout out to Tom Skithier. Good job. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And Tom Izzo constantly preaches to his team that little things matter. And Kithier does a lot of that. He's not going to wow you with any, any of the statistics. But look at the offensive rebound tips that he keeps alive for them on possession on offense. Look at the big rebounds he gets. And whenever you need a key basket, when you when everyone is cold from the outside, there's Kithier with an offensive rebound or putback or slicing inside to get open. He's just it's probably a devil to play against because he's just a little slippery out there. And slippery is good when you're Michigan State and the other team doesn't know how to defend it. So I think he does give them an X factor and does a lot of those little things that a lot of people don't even notice, but I agree with you completely. Kithier, while he's not a dominant minute guy and not a dominant stat guy, is a key component to this team and their success as we finish the season out. Anything else that's catch your eye within the other teams happening around the state? No, it's just, it's, it, you know, it's remarkable to see how, how good Michigan is because I've watched them particularly later in the season because I'm not sure midway through that I was a big believer and then I thought when they had that uh, COVID layoff, well, they're not going to be the same Michigan team. And they got a couple of huge wins. So I got to say that it's been fun watching Michigan, too, because they've been so dug consistent. And it's been a pleasure to watch just because a guy covered Juwan Howard when he was a player with the Pab Five. It's been kind of neat to see how good Juwan Howard succeeding John Beeline has molded in and kept this team a national power. And that's been interesting. But other than that, it's just fun to be talking about a Michigan State team that still is alive and breathing here as we move into March. Exactly. I, I wasn't a huge believer in Jawan Howard coming in, trying to replace Beeline. Uh, last season, it just kind of ups and downs. But in year two to come in as a first-time coach under these circumstances uh, within a power school and to be a former player in all the ties, I think that is really neat to see a guy come back and continue on a legacy of winning basketball. So speaking of continuing on a winning legacy Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's always great to have you on. It's always great to talk to you. And it's always uh, cute to see your dog. Uh, very, very fun co-host there, always being a moral support. <laughs> yeah, the, the little buddy uh, keeps me in line here. Thankfully, he didn't go on a barking spree. So uh, 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 Buddy's my right-hand guy, and I appreciate it. It's nice talking to you again. Nice to be back. Again, that was Fred Human joining us on the Sports Blitz podcast Big thank you to him for making the time to join me this Saturday morning as of recording. It is going to be a very busy, exciting time across the state as the land awakens, you could say, from under a blanket of snow. We're starting to get to warmer temperatures. That means spring training's around the corner. NHL season's underway as well. Not going to make any promises, but we're working on getting some really fun guys to talk about the latest developments across the Mitten State. So it's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. I really appreciate you joining the show today. To really help us out even further, if you go to your favorite podcast app and then you leave a five-star review, just click those five-star icons, even a comment, that too, that really helps as we work to develop and grow this platform and get you guys more and more content. So that's what's on the docket coming up. Also, make sure you check out WILX.com slash sports for the latest coverage of this weekend's games and so much more with our awesome sports team of Kellen Buddy, Natalie Kerwin, and Tim Stout. They do a fantastic job. To see the latest updates from me on social media, it's jgustin113 on Twitter. That's J-G-U-S-T-I-N-113. You can also go to Facebook, John Gustin-News. 
Just search me there and you can find that stuff there. Please also like the Facebook pages, WILX on Twitter and on Facebook too, to see the latest updates across the state for what's happening with the coronavirus and recent restrictions being lifted and so much more and our great work that our news team does there. So again, I know I keep saying this, but thank you for listening and I'll talk to you next time.